With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni. And joining me on this Sunday morning reaction show is Shay Dixon. Shay, um, we had an early night last night. You know, it didn't go as long as it usually does because of the 5 o'clock kickoff. So, able to get back. And uh, did you enjoy your early night of sleep? I still stayed up till like two o'clock reading the board and watching replays, but it's usually three o'clock or later if it starts. Yeah. The five o'clock versus six 30 clutch clutch. Nice, nice showing by the fans. A lot of people were texting me and being like, Hey, I see on TV. It doesn't look like a lot of people are there. It certainly wasn't a sellout. There was a lot of open space in the upper decks, but I will say everyone who showed up seemed like they stayed till the end. It got loud in the second half loud through the fourth quarter so um and traffic wasn't terrible getting home they had it figured out this week so uh yes uh from the crowd perspective from the campus perspective it was buzzing uh and traffic getting home good to go so i had no complaints yeah this time around compared to a week ago southern game absolute mayhem (laughs) no yeah the the traffic was is the biggest thing like we said but yeah for for me it's i'm this is my eighth home game Ever so, I'm still in awe whenever I see a hundred thousand people in in there, even though it's not a hundred and ten thousand people, and so obviously it's not full capacity wise. And I mean, I guess there were some spots, but it was like to me, it's always amazing to get a hundred thousand people in there. Yeah, I bet they had eighty something thousand last night. I'd be curious what the actual numbers. Yeah, were. it was announced ninety eight, but you know how those things go. So, um, let's let's talk about the game because. It's always fun talking about a game after a win. Uh, everybody's in a good mood. The board's in a good mood. Um, you know, we get more social interaction out there. And early on, it looked like they weren't going to win this game, if I'm being honest. Down 13-0, the offense looked inept. The off the defense was was okay in the first half, but still uh, Mississippi State walked on the field early and um, kind of were able to impose themselves. But then the second half, everything flipped. LSU just dominates on the defensive side of the ball which is where i think where i i would start if i was describing this game and why lsu won but they outscored mississippi state 24-3 in the second half and just really take control i it looked they looked like the more conditioned team they looked like the more talented team and they looked i would say in the second half as the better coached team so where do you want to start when when we start evaluating this game Oh, man, a lot to unpack there. I will say, well, one thing I want to touch on before it gets lost in the shuffle here uh, on the podcast, conditioning, which you mentioned. Brian Kelly said after the first game, Florida State, that if there was like a silver lining or something positive to take away, they fought, but he thought they were really well conditioned into the fourth quarter. Now, a lot of people said, well, they didn't even try the first half, so they should have been, you know, (laughs) if you're being a nega tiger in any sense. Now in week three in an SEC game, it was very clear they were the more well-conditioned team. And after the game, we talked to a couple of number of players, Josh Ward, uh, Josh Williams, Jay Ward, um, 
Jaden Daniels. I can't remember. There were a couple other guys who came out. Uh, Ollie Gay. But Ollie Gay, a handful of them quickly talked about that. They were like, hey, what was the difference in the second half? And they didn't turn right to execution or they didn't turn right to play calling or they didn't turn right to, hey, the offense stepped up or whatever. They said, man, we felt like at halftime, we felt, hey, we're in great shape. We can we see them slowing down and we feel good. And all the guys said that was kind of the major difference of we were able to play four quarters of physically sound football because we were very well conditioned. And they said a lot of it was just buying in this offseason into what Jake Flint, the strength and conditioning coordinator and what the staff wanted him to do. But it is evident early on, Matty B, that this is a team um, that put in a lot of work this offseason that ultimately will pay off. You don't see guys out there hands on their knees type situations. It's uh, It's been impressive to see that because in the past, that's something fans have brought up and said, hey, how how does this team get better conditioned? Because it doesn't seem like they're where, you know, the staff would want them to be. Um, as for the game, I'll sum it up as this, and we can talk about the nuances of everything. LSU is home underdogs, three points, but home underdogs for a reason. Mississippi State's in year three of Mike Leach, year three of Arnett, the defensive coordinator. They brought back, we talked about this all week, nearly double-digit starters on both sides of the ball, like 11 of the top 14 tacklers. And here's the reality, LSU fans, you should be, be feeling good about beating Mississippi State. This isn't 10 years ago, LSU State, and I saw someone make the comment, they should beat State 9 out of 10 times. Well, they haven't. They got beat by State two years ago. They won last year in Starkville, and they won tonight when they were home underdogs. Now, it's because Leach and that program are settled in. They are where Brian Kelly is trying to take this team, right? Build the foundation, get pieces in place, get coordinators in place, and settle into where year one's not going to be perfect. Year two probably won't be perfect, but by year three, you should really be competing at a high level. Yeah. That's where state is right now. And make no mistake about it. And I was saying, this isn't your old Mississippi state state has NFL players on that team. Like they have some very good players on both sides of the ball for LSU to go down 13, nothing, and then reel off a 31, three run 21 in answer points and basically stranglehold state from the 13 and nothing mark until the end. And really for a lot of the first half, it was 13 to nothing with like two minutes left. Even then, Maddie B, LSU's defense was answering the call time and again. I mean, eventually the dam's going to break, right? That's what we said yeah. right before halftime of, well, yeah, it's 13 nothing now. They've scored a couple of touchdowns. That's what's going to happen if your offense can't get it going. Well, the offense eventually got it going, and we see the results. So game balls from Brian Kelly, the team game ball, I guess, coaching game ball went to Matt House, the defensive coordinator. He was brilliant. Brian Kelly said kind of the key for them going into this one was, Whatever they were showing pre-snap was not what they were actually in post-snap. And he said the more times we were able to, you know, be on that same page with the players being kind of showing that and buying into whatever whatever the call was and really selling it and, and playing technically sound football, tackling well, all those things came to light for them. So House got that game ball and Jaden Daniels got the player game ball. Um, and a lot of guys probably could have gotten the game ball for this one, but Jeez. I think they gave it. Yeah. I think they gave it to Jaden who did he have his best night? No. Was it perfect? No. Did he miss receivers? Sure. But what he did do is keep the drives alive a lot. Certainly made some throws in the second half. Him and Malik neighbors were on the same page uh, on a big drive that really sealed it. 
He took off and ran, you know, a handful of times. He fumbled it once, but that's been his only turnover this year. And he showed some grit. I mean, it's clear that they view him as a guy on that side of the ball that gives them the best chance to win. And right now they're two and one, and we're a point away, an extra point away from going to overtime and potentially being undefeated. So I I like the – this was a really, really good win for LSU. And I know it's state, but that's just where you're at right now, LSU fans. You're trying to rebuild from a roster that had 39 scholarship guys when you got blown out by Kansas State in a bowl game. That's not where you want to be. You want to be back building towards something. And right now we're witnessing that. I said it on the board. I said it in our articles. They'll win more games this year. They're going to lose more games this year. But what you want to see is them fight and them get better as time goes on. Those two things. And those two things were on full display last night. Yeah. I You can't overstate the conditioning aspect. I re- People who watch a lot of college football – no, I mean you've seen you see players with hands on their knees in the fourth quarter. It's a lot of times in at any level, even at the NFL level, the conditioning comes into play. And so for them for in two games that they've played, the two FBS games they've played, for them to have been hitting their stride and to continue the level of play in the fourth quarter that they have been, I think it's huge. And that's something we have to consider moving forward is this might just be a team that wears you down physically. And get to that point in the second half where, all right, now we're just clearly better than you against, obviously, teams of similar competition, which Mississippi State is. Like you said, I think Mississippi State coming in was a favorite for a reason. I said it. I wrote it in probably three of the pieces I wrote this week. There's a reason Mississippi State is favored. They deserve to be favored in this game. And I was picking LSU partially because of the home crowd, which I, I think playing at home helped. But at the end of the day, Jaden Daniels, I, I expected him to make some plays, and he did. And I, I want to talk about him in a bit, but I want, I think defensively, if we stay on them for, for a second, you mentioned mix, mixing up the looks and everything. I thought that was especially true on the fourth downs because on after the first initial converted fourth down for Mississippi State, they went 0 for 3. And I think on all of them, I believe they were all runs. up. There. I know at least two of them were. I don't remember the third one, but that they were runs. And I thought on all of them, they had the look to run the ball. Like on all of them, I looked at the front that LSU was in. I was like, that's pretty, that's kind of soft in a sense. Like I thought if there was just, they could find a gap and run it. And then it, everything just collapsed. And you got to give credit to Matt House there. Like that's it. That is something. If you're an offense and you look at that front, and you're like, I think I can run the ball on that. And then it just evaporates. It's all gone and they get the stop. And that that's what really turned the game to me. Obviously, you have the, the muffed punt late. Um, that really, really turned the game. That was probably the, the turning moment because before that, the LSU offense was kind of still stuck in mud, even though they were getting a little bit of momentum. But the fourth down stops were the reason why the defense uh, was able to get off the field and be so effective and give the offense good field position a lot of times. So uh, defensively, B.J. Ojolari, Jay Ward. Um, Jay Ward was awesome. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Bakai Wingo. I'm going to go back and watch the film, but Makai Wingo seemed like he was in the backfield a lot. So, yeah, all those guys. Basker, Baskerville, we knew would play a lot, played great. Harold Perkins played Harold great. Perkins. So, yeah, there was a lot of guys to give individual accolades to. I'll give you – here's what sums it up, Matty B, and anybody listening. This is why LSU won the football game. And if you heard us talk about it on the podcast this week, 
this is where we said state will kill you, and it's where LSU wasn't good at so far this season. And you really, said we're it. Talking, give, give yourself credit. Pat, we're pat talking on the back there. We're Shay. talking Florida State. Here's uh, here's the third downs. Three of fourteen for Mississippi State on third downs. And Matthew, you mentioned the fourth downs, one for four. So basically, if Mississippi State is considering and treating fourth downs like third downs, pretty much. Uh, a combined four of 18 in those spots, which is awful if you're an offense and which is really, really great if you're a defense. And it's not like State's an awful offense in those situations. LSU did a good job of preventing a lot of, you know, thir- getting to third and, you know, manageable or getting to third in a couple is what State loves to do. And as you see, they weren't able to do that at least four times. They had to get to fourth down and go for it on fourth and manageable or short or whatever it might have been. But the combined four of 18 on those downs swung this game. And we talked about Will Rogers. He was in, he was touching 80% completion percentage going into this one against Memphis and Arizona, who are, you know, Memphis is a solid team. Yeah, they're okay. Um, and Arizona was on the road, right? Like, yeah, they're not uh, playing at yeah, school. Yeah. And, have to, and have to win a big game. Uh, he was about an 80% passing both times. He goes over 40 attempts against LSU, 57% passer. So the defense in every, pretty much every department you can say, and we knew that State wanted to run the ball. Let's see. Nobody went over 50 yards. There were some nice averages on touches, five and seven yards of carry. Yeah, uh, but the it, long one. Yeah, they broke the long one. Um, there was a 37 and a, a 35-yard run, so that obviously was – a bulk of 37 for 50 and 35 long run for 50. So two runs really were the bulk of what they got on the ground. Uh, and that forced state to really have to rely on the pass game. And you talked about it in the video breakdowns this week of, will they be willing to take deep shots? They were kind of showing some of it, but Brian Kelly said after the game, look, we dug through it and that's what we wanted them to do. We didn't think that they would really want to push it downfield as much as we forced them to. And, because of that, LSU was able to come away with a, a pretty impressive defensive showing. 16 points against State is uh, is something to be proud of. So the defense, I, I can't give them any grade but an A, and I thought that everybody played well enough collectively as a unit to where I didn't look at one or two guys ever and say, like, dude, that guy's got to get off the field. Like, they were making the right subs. They were keeping the right guys on the field. You know, there's going to be rotations, but – we saw Baskerville and Harold Perkins play more than, you know, they've played together so far this season. Uh, we saw the move to get Jay Ward up to the nickel spot and play him near the line of scrimmage, and that paid off big time. Uh, Major Burns, you know, he, he misses a tackle, and they run for a big touchdown to kind of open things up. And then he turns around and makes play after play. He got a big hit uh, on a sack on fourth down that turned it over. So uh, defensively, I loved it. I thought Matt House called a great game, and I thought we now got a glimpse into, hey, Madhouse to D.C. is pretty good. This is what we saw at Kentucky when uh, a very middle-of-the-road SEC team that he was coordinator of was putting out top SEC defenses. And uh, I think you can look at it and think a lot of it is because he was kind of scheming it up and calling the plays. Yeah, I mean, that's why coming into the year I was so high on this defense. I thought Madhouse was going to be really good, like really, really good. And so Florida State and even the first half against Mississippi State was spotty, but in the at the end of the day, to hold Mississippi State to 16 points and even to hold Florida State to, to 20, 24 points the way that they did, even with the slow start that they had, he's two for two in my book. Like, this is he's two for two. He's allowed 40 points in two games to two really good teams. Like, Florida State is obviously a good team for anybody watching them. I uh, watched, you know, Louisville. I was, they could have lost that game, but they didn't. 
Um, and it changes the way I look at the season to a degree in that in every game, I think this defense is going to be able to hold its own. Like, yes, maybe, I mean, you know, in theory, it's like Alabama down the road. Sure, let's not even look at that. But you got A&M, Arkansas, uh, go down the list of teams on schedule. And I'm not looking at any team and being like, this defense is going to get overwhelmed. If anything, this defense should be able to keep them in games moving forward. And that's what is going to allow this offense some time to find its footing, which I think it will in every single game. It'll take some time, you know, for Jaden Daniels to figure it out, for Den Brock and Kelly to figure th- figure out what, what works. They talked about Kelly talked about in the post game presser as we kind of move towards the offense a little bit. At halftime, he mentioned they figured some things out and they tried more seven man protections and got the ball out of Jaden's hands quicker. Um, and they ran the ball a heck of a lot better in the second half. So it's going to be an offense that kind of takes a little bit to get its footing, but the defense will allow them to do that moving forward. And will it cost them a game or two? Probably. But I, I said coming into this game, Jaden Daniels had to be really, really good. And he wasn't quite that level throwing the ball, which I thought he would need to be. But, I mean, dude, this dude just gutted out a win. 93 rushing yards, 210 passing yards, no picks, uh, almost 60% completion percentage. So I can't ask that much more of him. He wasn't, like you said, wasn't perfect by any means. But he made the plays that needs to be made late. The fourth down, throw the neighbors, the run uh, when he punched it into the end zone on third and goal. Jane Daniels, he's he's a fighter. He's a fighter. If nothing else, you got to give him that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 100%, I think. And I'll, like, I'll wrap up on defense and then I'll touch on Daniels. I want to add one thought as you were talking about the defense performance. Think about it, Florida State. They muffed two punts and gave Florida State the ball really at the 10-yard line. Florida State didn't score on either of them. And at the end of the game, what they went for it on one of them on fourth down. Sage Ryan made a nice play in the end zone. Florida State turns the ball over on downs. Uh, and then the one in the final minutes when neighbors muffed it against Florida State, uh, they get in there on the, the pitch play and they fumble it. Makai Wingo recovers, uh, recovers a loose ball. And uh, essentially LSU gifted the you know special teams had gifted them two possessions inside the 10. Florida State got no points out of it. Then you look at tonight in kind of similar spots um, or Saturday night, I should say. And, what for the fourth downs, you only allow one of them to be converted. You know, the third downs, you give them nothing. Like when this defense gets into tight spots, they seem to be able to answer really well. So uh, I've liked that. Um, Daniels, man, anyone who's like knocking Jaden Daniels right now is so far off the mark. They would be 0 and 3 right now, probably, if they didn't have Jaden Daniels. I mean, let's be real. We've seen the alternative. We saw it in week two against the worst team that they'll play all year. They, it was not great. The backup situation was not great. It Jaden Daniels protects the football. One turnover in three games. He fumbled it against State. And that was – even but, the fumble was obviously a miscommunication with the running back in terms of the mesh, which is his fault, but still. So, I don't know. Like, you haven't – you're starting a third O-line. We'll talk about that in a second. A third different O-line in three weeks. You don't really have a run game beyond Jaden. 
and you're trying to get all these different receivers, you know, fed here, right? Like in every game, they've been spreading it out. I know Keishon Butte hasn't had his breakout game. I'd have to look at the film again. I thought watching it live, State almost took the, hey, Keishon's not going to beat us approach. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you've got other guys, then let them beat us, but it's not going to be Keishon. And Malik Neighbor stepped up in a big way. I thought Brian Thomas stepped up in a big way uh, in different little spots. So I I don't see what any knock would be on Jaden. This guy's going to run for 1,000 yards this year from the quarterback spot. You don't have a running game beyond him right now. Like, you should take that every day. And he's not turning it over at some wild rate. Um, and he's making some big throws. Yes. Does he miss guys or tuck it too early and run or whatever it might be? Sure. But those are things that happen when he's a true dual threat quarterback. That's how he operates his game. When he's playing now his first games in the SEC, that clock in his head is going to move a lot faster, Matty B, right? Like he knows my O-line is they're not like elite. You know, they're going to give up some plays where I'm under pressure. I, the defense isn't really staying all that too honest because unless they're spying me, which State did some, they're not like selling out against our run because we haven't proven we can run the football. Like these are things that don't stack up well for a quarterback, but he just seems to keep gritting through it and making play after play. Like I don't think he's ever heard of a slide. He dives everywhere because he's going for the sticks every time. So we saw him after the game. Like he was – cut up all down his face and he was like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I got hit and came off and took my helmet off and they all said, you're bleeding. And uh, as I said, he got the game ball because he's just a gritty player and he's the best they've got right now. And he's got 30 something college starts under his belt. So you move forward, in my opinion, happy with Jaden Daniels. And if you're sitting here saying, well, yes, he'll develop as he goes in fact, if you don't think he's already developed this offseason with Denbrock and Joe Sloan, check the tape. These three games would be three of his better games at Arizona State. Even like maybe you'd have to go back to his freshman year where he was putting up this type of completion percentage numbers while also running for 100 a game. Like he's improved just getting here. So I think you just kind of get on board and be happy with where the train takes you because as much as there's so many pieces on this team that are serving as like a like a stopgap between the end of the Orgeron era and whatever the future holds of the Brian Kelly era. Like Jaden sums that up to a T he's your quarterback. He's going to carry you for a year, right? Or, and if he said, I don't know if he stays another year or whatatnot and eligibility wise, what he wants to do, but that's what this is right now. You took a transfer quarterback to just bridge the gap. And I think he's doing more than just bridging the gap. I think he's turning into a guy that can really help lead this offense. And in Florida state, he was the best player on the offense. And now it's just becoming clear that this is what you'll get from him. It, you'll get frustrated at times watching it, but if the end result is 31 points against state, you feel good about it. Yeah. The 31 points number can't be disputed at this point. And I feel people have, and this is more of a general point. People, I feel like people have too high of expectations for college quarterbacks at times. Like, Yes, you'd love to have Bryce Young. You'd love to have Caleb Williams. But pretty much everybody outside of those guys is like, at best, uh, K.J. Jefferson, you know, a Hendon Hooker, you know, guys guys like that. Maybe a Will Levis, even though I'm not high on him. But, like, that's the best-case scenario, really, if you're not getting the Bryce Youngs. And eventually, LSU will want to get those caliber of quarterbacks, yes, of course. But at this moment, in this transition year, I don't think you can ask anything more from this quarterback. Like, 
I was looking up Anthony Richardson's stats from Florida. Remember coming into the year where Anthony Richardson was supposed to be the, the guy? Well, even after week one, everyone said this guy's going to be in New York. Yeah. Well, he now I, mean, I was looking at his season stats. They want him bench now. He ha- he's completing 53% of his passes, has 400 yards, zero touchdowns, and four picks. With his, I mean, like Jaden Daniels is playing better than him, and Anthony Richardson was coming into the year as heralded as like a top four quarterback in the SEC. So it's like context matters at the end of the day. Is he going to be the number one quarterback in the SEC? No, but I think he definitely could be a top five or six quarterback in the SEC, and that could give you a chance to win a lot of games if he keeps playing at this level. So, yeah, I have no, I had no problem with Jane Daniels. Like I said, he's he kind of is the offense at the end of the day, and he's put up 31 points on them. So it was also good to shout out Armani Goodwin, shout out Malik Neighbors. Uh, hey, Armani Goodwin put the game away on that run. I mean, that was the knockout punch. That, yeah, uh, were, and you've been waiting for that one big run this year, and boy, what a crucial time for it to come. Yeah, we've always we've we've always said he's fast, right? We've always that's that's never been the knock on him. Armani Goodwin can move, that's for sure. Um, him, uh, Josh Williams had one one rush for uh, seven yards, which was the touchdown, but he was on the field a decent amount. Uh, he that was a great run. Catches, great run. Um, you already mentioned Kayshawn. Yeah, Ray. look, I, I broke down. Yeah, I broke down if people didn't catch it, my 10 takeaways after the game. We've hit on a lot of these already, offense, defense. We both agree this team can fight, and that's one thing we'll see. We saw it second half of Florida State. We saw it on full display in week two against Southern. I mean, they came right out of the gates in all three phases and handled business. And then we saw it in this one. I mean, down 13 nothing with two minutes until half. The offense sandwiches 10 points kind of right at the end of half and right after half. And then went on scoring drive, scoring drive. You know, maybe there was a punt, then scoring drive, scoring drive. So there was a true answer for the offense, I thought. We've talked about that. Um, we talked about conditioning. Uh, we're talking about offense right now. I do want to give a shout-out to Malik Neighbors. Man, I think that kid's going to have – he's going to continue to have a big year, especially if teams are putting more of an emphasis on Kayshawn. Uh, And I think, Maddie B., that we saw the Malik Neighbors show on full display when they needed to put it away at the end. And – I guess this was the Josh Williams touchdown drive, but they had four third downs in a row and all four of them were pass plays to Malik. They had a couple of kind of quick out routes with him where he caught the ball and and got across the sticks. And then obviously they found him one-on-one and Jaden went deep to him and he made a really good play and pulled it down. So um, this team's got tons of talent at receiver. We've known that. Um, And we've all been high. Everybody listening was high on Malik Neighbors because they saw what he did last year as a true freshman towards the end of the year when he got into games, uh, and he's picked up right where he left off. So I've loved Neighbors. Um, we already kind of talked about the defense. You talked about the defensive front. Ojolari was great. Um, but we got to give a shout-out here. And LSU put out this stat. Um, I guess it's not surprising, but maybe a little, that maybe at some point it never happened. But last night was the first time in LSU football program history that they started two true freshman offensive tackles, Emory Jones and Will Campbell. And Will Campbell is locked in. He's your left tackle, and he will be your left tackle for as long as he's out there. Yeah. I was screaming the praises of Emory Jones, and a lot of people were. He ended up a top 100 player. But coming out of Catholic High, he was playing right tackle in high school, playing some left tackle. We all thought he'd be a guard, but no matter what, it was very clear, like LSU doesn't often sign a one-two punch like Campbell and Emory Jones. And when Campbell got in right away and started, everyone said, well, when does Emory get his chance? And he got that chance last night. Anthony Bradford, 
suspended for violation of team rules. It appears he was there. He wasn't hurt. Yeah. But he wasn't dressed out. He was just in his jersey and sweatpants. Uh, so they gave Emory Jones the chance, moved him to right tackle off the bench. And Matty B, was it perfect? No. I mean, there were some missteps, but there were some really bright spots. Hell, on special teams, he probably made the best play of the night, tackled a guy in the open field on a punt return. Yeah, they could have gone for a touchdown had he not done it. Yeah. Um, so, boy, you look moving forward. If these two guys are already starting three weeks into their college careers, you got a lot of starts ahead of those guys. And um, in terms of O-line development or where you can go with that group, if I'm an LSU fan, that's probably a top three thing I'm most excited about after the game is, hey, man, these two f- true freshmen that everybody said were good are now in the game and already on that track of development uh, and getting very much a head start to where most guys would be uh, as freshmen three weeks of a college career. So, uh, and it seems – we mentioned Campbell at left tackle, Joan at right tackle, Dellinger, who had been the centers at left guard now, Charles Turner's at center, and then at right guard is Miles Frazier, the transfer. It looks like that's a starting offensive line, Matty B, and, and we'll see if it changes. They've done three different offensive line starting combos in three weeks, and even in those other two games, they were rotating a good bit. I'm not sure they ever rotated. I'd have to go look at the film. Like I don't even remember if Tremont Shorts or – um Xavier Hill any of these other guys got in um but it seemed like they were pretty set that hey we might have found our five guys and let's move forward with that yeah that's I was I was really interested by the move obviously looking ahead I don't know I I think Emory Jones played better than Anthony Bradford just off of obviously watching it live, like I'll go back and watch the tape and everything, but it didn't feel like it was a huge drop-off. Emory allowed, I think, one sack on the night, but other than that, I thought he was really solid. Starting true two true freshman tackles, I think no matter how good they are, I think speaks to where this program is right now as far as building from the ground up, like literally from the ground up, because it doesn't matter what level you are, if you are starting two true freshman tackles, that means you don't have a sophomore, a junior, a senior, a fifth-year senior that has been developed in the system. Obviously, this is Brad Davis' second year. This is Coach Kelly's first year. This is Denbrock's first year. So, yes, they are starting from ground zero. But when I saw that, it's just kind of set in. Like, this is really – you have freshman, freshman, sophomore, retro sophomore, and junior at center. And that is – Probably, I don't, I mean, somebody's got to look it up, but it has to be one of the youngest LSU offensive lines ever. Like, that is just absurdly young for an SEC offensive line. And that speaks to them um, really having to develop this room, really having to build this room. And so, yes, I'm, I'm very excited for the future with those two starting potentially for the next three, four years together. But, wow, that is it, that that hit me. That hit me yesterday. I was like, "Dang, this team is young. This this offensive line is young." Like I I did the the players, the young players that stood out on my instant reactions, and it's like, Makai Wingo, Harold Perkins, the two offensive linemen, Malik Neighbors is a sophomore, um, and it's you just go down the list. And so Armani Goodwin's a sophomore. So, yeah, that that was very staggering to me. But I thought they played well and. Hopefully, if they can be this good for the remainder of the season, then, I mean, why not? Why not them? 
All right, let's. Uh, I'm. We'll we'll do two more things because okay. I want to end on a positive. Uh, and there were a lot of positives when you when you beat State 31-16, and I'll, I'll rehash kind of my final thoughts there in a second of why LSU fans should feel good. But I guess I can pull out the notes here, but I really don't even need to because we saw it, Matty B. Get the glasses on. I had this written down in here where, but I've they're going to have to get something figured out on special teams, right? Oh, yeah. It was – if it's not something, it's something else. Like week one, it's you can't catch punts and you can't block extra points. Week two, you come out right away. It's southern, but you force in a fumble on the opening kickoff and special teams look solid and, okay, you're good to go. We're back up to a normal level of competition here in week three, and you can't cover a punt or kick to save your life. They had one call back that really right when LSU swung the game, had that play not been called back, it would have gone back to like what a three point game or whatever it was. Yeah. LSU I think it would have like 10 and then state houses the punt or kickoff or whatever it was. And they call somebody for a flag for a hold, but it wasn't even near the, it was like completely away. Like it should not have happened and state should have had the ball, at like the five yard line if they weren't boneheaded and held when it didn't matter. Then you were bad in punt coverage. Then inexplicably, your punt returner, which now we're on to punt returner number two here since they've moved on from Lake Neighbors, Greg Clayton is catching the ball cleanly, walk-on receiver, which is great. There's no awareness when he fields the ball, catches it at the one and gets tackled immediately. Like, I don't know what the rule is. What is the rule? Like, you stand at the 10 or whatever, and if it's going over your head, you let it go. If you don't, then you catch it. At least the five. The five, what? Not the one. So three. Yeah, he fielded it at the two or three, and then immediately gets tackled. So you could have fumbled that. You could have gotten hit, fumbled it, and they score immediately. Regardless, you're starting at the one yard line. Then later in the game, when it's still tight, not 31-16 yet, they punt it. He successfully tells everyone, "Hey, it's a short punt. Everyone move away." Then he just runs out of nowhere and dives after the ball, and there's like five state dudes just sitting there waiting to down it, like immediately state just jumped on him and did the rip drill and like okay there's five of us and one of you you better hold on tight because if we come up with this ball we're getting it it's like i said if it's not one thing it's another and i don't get it like they've got a seasoned coach coaching special teams people have already brought up well this just shows a lack of depth on special teams and whatever it might be like no these are coaching errors like uh, the punt returner has to know you don't don't ever do that. Like don't catch it inside the five. Don't go randomly diving for the ball when it's already like it's already about to stop. You're getting it right there no matter what. It's and then on coverage units like that's a, that's an execution thing based off of coaching. So I don't know what Brian Kelly needs to do here, but he's going to have to spend for the second time in three games as much time in the special teams film as anything else because. If you're walking away with, oh, the offense was asleep for the first half. Well, the offense woke up. Special teams, you should never hear about special teams after the game. It's certainly the areas we're talking about. I'm not talking about like, damn, they missed a 38-yarder and a 42-yarder and like didn't win the game. Like, okay, well, whatever. No, these these are fundamental special teams areas. These are blocking on extra points. These are not diving on a ball that's about to be downed anyways, not fielding it inside the five, like very high school level stuff. And 
that's baffling to me right now. Like I have not, and Greg McMahon, an excellent special teams coordinator, and he had really good kickers. They made him look good in that department, but they weren't having any snafus like this. Like there weren't just straight up glaring errors where it's like, this is so avoidable, but y'all just keep putting yourselves in those situations. So I've got to call it like I see it. Special teams ain't there yet. And I don't know what it is, but I'm not buying into it being like, oh, well, that's just the depth and the roster and all that. Like, that's not it. These are fundamental errors that high school teams execute very soundly every week. But a college team can't do it. So I don't know. No, I I agree. You're 100% right. It's it's been. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not trying to pour on. I'm just saying that is what it is. No, we 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 spent the first 30 minutes and we didn't even talk about it. So, and I think it's a huge point in the game because I told you I we were walking to the car afterwards. I was like, if they return that kickoff and that holding wasn't called, and that kickoff was actually returned to like the 10 or wherever it was, I think everybody would have lost their mind, and rightfully so. Like you just took complete control of the game. At that point, I don't remember if that made a 31-16 or 24-16. But regardless- well, it definitely – it LSU, I think LSU had gone up by 10, and it was like, okay, they're about to – like within a blink of an eye, they're going to score a touchdown, it's back to three. Like, And so that's where – That's it, when it felt like it was a gap that all of a sudden was going to shrink because you can't play special teams. Yeah, and so the punt returns were awful in the first half as well. You, you just can't allow – you can't just sit there and hope Emory Jones makes a play for you. Um, again, shout out to him for, for doing that because that would have been an even longer return. So oh, let's let's end on a positive. Here's my positive. And I kind of said a little bit to open up. State was favored for a reason. State is on paper a better team than LSU. But that's why you play these games, because LSU gritted their way to a win. They showed heart. They fought. Defense was awesome. Uh, offense obviously came to light in the second half. I just thought it was a really, really Like, too often, I think LSU fans or any SEC fans, when you've lived in the SEC this long and in the West, you kind of think about the balance of power. This isn't your normal balance of power. Like, LSU is not 31 to 16 better than State right now. They were underdogs by three points at home. The reality, though, is LSU went out there and changed the narrative. They raised the level of play on defense. They raised the level of play in the second half on offense. And – I thought overall they proved that and they were well conditioned that, Hey, look, we're getting better each week. And this isn't a thing like state. You can look at before the season and say top to bottom. Okay. They'll be a good team. They should win eight games or so. Um, And I know that because of all these reasons, right? Like Mike Leach is in year three, the coordinators in year three, all these starters are back. The starting quarterbacks back. You didn't have any of that with LSU. You thought seven wins over under, it's going to be a long year. We'll just have to see what they got. Each week we see more and more what LSU has. And as Brian Kelly said after the game, these guys are buying in right now. And if they buy in, they're going to start to realize we're better. We're a better team than everyone thought we could be. And he I don't even think he means like outsiders looking at LSU and thinking seven wins. I think he's saying in fall camp, we probably weren't much of a team. We're like piecing all these different things together, but as we go through each week, we get better and better and better. And come November, as Brian Kelly said, that's when you want to be playing your best football, right? Like you want to be hitting the back end of the season set up to be well-conditioned, to be well-coached, to execute well, and be playing your best football. And Kelly said that's where they're trending right now. Like this team 
will be a lot better in October than they are right now. They'll be better in November than they are right now. They're better right now than they were three weeks ago. And beyond fight, which takes no talent to have, they've got that. Then you want to just see them develop. You just want to see them get better. I want to see them compete and I want to see them get better every week and clean up mistakes. And right now that's the direction they're trending for me. Every week they fight and every week they clean up some things to get a little bit better. Yep. Well, last thing I, I guess I'll mention is something I, I'm, I talked to you about on the way back um, out of the stadium was this is, a, this is about how most games will go if they can win them. And I think they're going to have to out tough teams. They're going to have to out condition teams and they're going to have to out will teams at times and out coach teams as well, which I think they did to Mississippi State. I thought they were, had the better coaching staff. So um, all in all, they're not going to reel off these. They're not going to be this high-flying offense that's going to come out and put 40 points on the board at on demand. If they score 40 points at any point this season against an SEC team, I think uh, we need to give them a standing ovation. Um, but they're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to hope Jaden Daniels makes a couple throws and just really grit out these wins. We've used the word grit a lot on this podcast, and I think that's because that's what they're going to have to do. It's not going to be pretty. But there's going to be plenty of times on the message boards and everything where everybody's like, oh, this is ugly. And yes, it was. The first half was was ugly to watch. Like, this whole season's going to have the – yeah, you said it well. This is what the season is. It's going to be ugly a lot of the times. But if you accept that, then beating a team like Mississippi State 31-16 feels a lot better than it normally yes. would. Like – the goal for Brian Kelly would be to put this program in a situation where beating state 31 to 16 is expected and is the norm. Yeah. That ain't right now. So if they're doing that right now, that and you're you're a fan who's taking everything in and understanding what you just said, Maddie B, that it's going to be ugly, then this feels great. This is a yep. big win, and it is a big win. Yep. So em- embrace it. Embrace it. That's that's I think the 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 motto. Uh, for, for today for me is embrace this win because they got New Mexico next and then you got Auburn. You hope you can beat Auburn who doesn't look very good right now. So if you we, win But this- we said that before the season. We're not changing our tone here. We said if there's one team on the schedule that should be a gimme win in the SEC, it's Auburn. Like Auburn yeah. is not good this year. Yeah. They're they're very bad. Yeah. So I was a I was a blocked field goal away from being right on my five and zero prediction. If they win the next two games, I'm not going to pin them in yet. But if they win the next two games, they're four and one, and then you get into the meat and potatoes of your schedule. Then you really, really have to buckle down. But I'm glad they got you know these this first five games as their slate where they are tested week one, where they are tested week three, and then you get into uh, you ease into SEC play a little bit, so to speak, with these non conference games surrounding it. So. Um, as you look towards the future, yes, the back half of the schedule is going to be um, – it's going to be a battle every single day. But uh, what what we learn about this team through five games I think will help us manage our expectations and moving forward. Even if they're 4-1, and one, it's not going to be – like I said, it's, they're not going to walk off the bus and score 40. They're not going to be this high-flying offense. They're not going to be this defense that uh, forces five turnovers in a the game. They're going to – Ben don't break. They're going to make key fourth down stops. They're going to get off the field on third downs. And at the end of the day, you can't ask for anything more from this team. So um, in what we considered to be a rebuild year, they beat a team in year three. I know it's Mississippi State, but damn it, that's impressive. So 100%.
All right, let's wrap it up. Um, obviously, we don't have anything else to do on this Sunday morning where we spent 42 minutes talking about this win, but it was deserved because this was a very good to, win. About to watch the Saints, guys. Let's go. Ooh, let's go. Who that? Um, but all right, we thank you all for joining us. If you're listening on the po- podcast side, lose a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening. Um, I just check in the Spotify numbers. Those are continuing to go up as far as ratings go. So continue to leave us those five stars over there. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching on the podcast side, um, leave us a like, share it with your friends, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know what you think below. We appreciate all the support. Become a subscriber to the Bengal, pot, the Bengal Tiger uh, for a dollar, one dollar. We're still doing it, one dollar for a whole year. All the content, all the recruiting scoops from Billy and Shay all the team stuff, the film breakdowns, everything y'all need is on there. So we appreciate y'all for joining us. For Shay Dixon, I'm Matthew Bruni, and we'll talk to y'all later. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.